0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Tomahome. And I'm Jenny. Good morning. Good morning. Good good morning. Good afternoon. Talk
0: some. New releases and recent arrivals? I guess it, they're all recent arrivals, right? Yes. I, I think uh, you've been mislabeling the YouTube videos that you've been doing. They're all, say, new releases. Now, technically, they are new releases as well.
2: But <laughs> They're newly, newly released in my house.
0: Yeah. So uh, the reason I think we had the distinction to begin with was new releases were ones we wanted to be sent. And recent arrivals were ones that had actually arrived. Uh. Um, so... But this also allows me to, you know, I get something really old and cool off of eBay or something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's not really a new release, is
1: it? Well, and <laughs> some of these are
2: re-releases too, so.
1: Yeah, so it does fit. Yeah, sure. Or, That's or why we could just talk about things releases. that just came out, but uh, we don't really have them. Yeah,
0: exactly right. <laughs> but we've got so many uh, recent arrivals that we probably won't get any time to talk about any new releases. No, but we should Other say. than the ones we've got. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, it's been too long since we've had one of these, so
2: yeah, and actually, let's get started. We're not even going to get through the whole list. I spent hours putting this list together yesterday, oh, no. and we've gone through and selected the things we want to talk about the most, but you should always watch our videos about the new things that have come in so that you're informed.
0: And we'll have those up
1: on the site in a more prominent position. Yes. On.
0: We're
2: working
1: you on. See it. Our, you see the pretty color-coded list that Jenny sent?
2: It's so beautiful.
1: Well, they're going to hear the color-coded list <laughs> early. Uh, I'm, per- I'm going to be talking purple.
2: Okay. I'm going to talk green.
0: And what was I, magenta? I can't remember what color. Aqua? Oh, okay. All right.
2: Okay, so up first, we have the year's top short SF novels, 2, edited by Alan Castor. Um, I'll just go through the list of what's on here. The Ice Owl by Carolyn Ives Gilman, Kiss Me Twice by Mary Robinette Kowal. I just looked up to how to say her name. Thank you. The Ants of Flanders by Robert Reed. The Man Who Bridged the Mist by Kij Johnson. The Man Who Ended History, a documentary by Ken Liu. Angel of Europa by Alan M. Steele.
0: And there's a whole list. i actually talked about Mary Robinette Cole before because she has been a past contributor to SFF Audio. That's
2: right. I'm a regular listener to her podcast, too.
0: Yeah, she she's on the, what's the, Alive Five dudes talking about writing, in writing and excuses. her
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's great. They're funny.
2: Yeah, and she's on this list several times because she's a reader too. She That's right. Yeah. It's good.
0: Uh, do, we don't know who who reads her story, but it's not her, right?
2: Yeah. The the cover list but, has a list of the readers. So I don't right. I don't know which person goes with what, but um you know, most of these stories are Hugo or Nebula nominees. There're just a few that aren't, so these are great stories.
0: Mm-hmm. I like you made a note saying there, uh, author of the paper menagerie. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah.
2: that was um, the year he was nominated in two categories.
0: Right. That, so I think the year's top short SF novels two means it wasn't that there was two this year. It's this This is the second collection. Right. Is that
2: right? Yeah. We talked um, about an earlier one this year already.
0: But it's it, it, there. are they separate years? So this is the 2012 year one and that was the 2011 one? No,
2: this is the second volume of
0: 2012. Wow, yeah. okay. They're really pouring them out, aren't they? Yeah, and
2: last time was more the short stories. This time it's more the novellas. Right.
1: Yeah, so that makes well, sense. The- They're bigger. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess he split it up. Two, three, four, five, six, six stories, yeah. yeah. That's novella length. I said I was interested in the Alan M. Steele story because I never read the Coyote series hmm it's 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 basic science fiction i I, I, I assume (laughs) like basic research (laughs) what do you mean basic science fiction like it's probably like old-fashioned um space opera whatever Mm -hmm. space drama foundational how about that foundational science rather than
0: steampunk or something like that
1: right or singularity or uh solar opera that's what i call it all right be
0: a
2: good one to choose Okay. What's next? Uh, next is The is Twelve, it? which is Passage number 2 by Justin Cronin, read by Scott Brick from Random House. Now, I've listened to this already.
0: Oh, okay. I took
2: it with me on a drive to Alabama and back, so it's really good. Um, so What's
0: the Passage? Is passage that a
2: is... Um, first book? Yeah, that's the first book. It's kind of described often as literary vampire fiction, <laughs> except for... It's, I mean, it is about vampires, but it's more about a virus. So it's more kind of post-apocalyptic in feeling. And honestly, when I got to the end of the passage, I thought I didn't really need to read the next book. I didn't know where it would go. And I was kind of like, yeah, I don't really think this needs to be a trilogy, but I actually really enjoyed this because it goes back and forth. It tells the story from how things happened. And it also catches up with these 12 kind of root vampires and where they are in the story. So, it's actually really compelling. And Scott mm. Brook does a great job. He's one of my favorite readers, I think.
0: Uh, he can be awesome for me, but sometimes he, I don't like him. It it really depends on how the book is told. If it's a first-person perspective book, I really think he's great.
2: Mm.
0: But when he does like a, you know, third person, I just most of the time I like, eh, doesn't mean anything to me.
2: Oh well this one was third person I thought it was great. Really? Yeah interesting. I don't I mean I don't necessarily notice him in the story. He doesn't do really voices or anything, but um he kinda gets out of the way of it, you know. Really mm. appreciate that actually.
0: There's gonna be a movie version of uh, that apparently
1: the first one.
2: Oh that'd be good to see on film.
1: Uh, Ridley Scott's company bought it. Oh so. yeah it was a bestseller. I, I I might check out the first book. You yeah. said it was a really, uh, good Jen. Yeah. Isn't Cloud Atlas like uh, just a couple years ago and then it's in the
0: theaters now? Yeah. So yeah, I guess they're, they're turning these over faster.
2: Yeah, I think Cloud Atlas is 2005 maybe.
0: Or oh, okay.
2: Because it was nominated for um, the Booker that year. It didn't win, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, Cloud Atlas definitely wasn't on the bestseller shelf until the movie no. trailer came out. That started <laughs> selling in droves. Hmm.
2: And I bet most of those people aren't going to get through it.
1: <laughs> it's very literary, it. isn't it? Yeah,
2: you didn't read it. I didn't finish. Oh,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll finish it. Good. Uh, next up,
2: The, Walking, the Walking,
0: Dead. Walking Dead. This is the second. Is this the second uh, Walking Dead book? Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't say on there, but you know the. The there's the comic book, and that's what this is based on. But I know there was one called The Governor, and this is either the second or the third one. Um, and I'm just wondering if this is something. So my understanding is the way this works is they they've taken a section, at least for the first one, the Governor is a section of of uh, it's a you know sort of story within the greater story of The Walking Dead and extracted that section and sort of expanded it and added in things from uh, non-main characters' perspectives. So that might be how this is done as well. Um, Woodbury doesn't sound super familiar, but maybe we can read the uh, description. here. Zombie plague unleashes its horrors in the Atlanta suburbs without warning, putting the living against the dead. Caught in the mass exodus, Lily Call struggles to survive in a series of ragtag encampments and improvised shelters, but the walkers are multiplying. Dogged by their feral hunger for flesh and crippled by fear, Lily relies on the protection of the good of good Samaritans by seeking refuge in the walled in town, once known as Woodbury. This does sound familiar. At First, Woodbury seems like a perfect sanctuary. Squatters barter for services Barter services for food, people have roofs over their heads, and the barricades expand, growing stronger every day. Best of all, a mysterious self proclaimed leader named Philip Blake keeps the citizens in line, but Lily begins to suspect that all is not as it seems. Blake, who has recently come to call himself the governor, uh (laughs) uh-oh, has disturbing ideas about law and order. So this does seem to be a a further expansion of that that little section. Hmm. Have you read any of the books? I've not read any of the, the paper books. I I don't know what happened to our uh, audiobook book um, of the first one called The Governor, but I've read all of the comics. Right. Um, I've read some of the comics. And I'm up to the latest double graphic novel, big heavy hardcover. And it's, it is really interesting the way – Robert Kirkman is a very good writer. And what he does is he says – he said – I'm not going to end this story. No, unlike most people who says, who say, you know, I'm going to write this and I have a plan. And really you find out later now they have no plan. Right. He says, there's no reason for me to ever stop writing this, Wow, (laughs) which I think is really interesting because he's going against the regular convention. He he thinks he can just tell any kind of story uh, in a world that he set up. And, uh, it it hasn't gotten tiresome after even a hundred issues of following the story. It hasn't really gotten tiresome. It's it's, um, it's still good. Huh. I think that's that's a very surprising. I I think so. He, he he kills people off. It's fun. I mean, it's uh, it's it's good stuff. I I don't know if I, I can't imagine the TV would go the TV show would go the same way. Um, they seem to be burning through the. Um, the the script of the comic book pretty fast they're already quite quite far into the story mm-hmm. so
1: yeah I like the first season and then I stopped watching the second season it, it seems like they are veering off what the comic book did uh,
0: they're
1: they're back on it uh, they're they're not
0: exactly on you know they've they've been less ruthless with the characters than than has um Kirkman
1: Kirkman he'll kill anybody yeah I've heard they, they, they kind of like substitute characters and, and kept them and mm-hmm. switched the stories to different characters add in new characters yep. yeah. that's good stuff
0: and this is read by uh, Scott? Scott Brick?
2: no it's oh wait I'm on the wrong
0: it one it says here. reviewer Scott oh us uh, reviewer Scott not provider yeah, yeah. Scott yeah
2: yeah, Red Vermont. So
0: Scott's got it. Uh huh. Yeah,
2: I think he's already finished it, but I don't think he's posted a review yet.
0: Our Scott? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yes, our Scott.
2: Yeah, he jumped on this one.
0: Okay. I mean. Interesting. Yeah, I, I've tried to get him into comics, but he's he's just now moved to a town where they actually have a comic book store. So
2: Oh, that makes a difference.
0: It's kinda, yeah, I think it makes a little bit of a difference. When you you need to go in and actually pick them up and look at them and say, oh, yeah, this looks cool. Mm. You like the first Lock and Key by uh, Joe Hill? Yeah, I, I think you know, that's a great intro to anybody who's... Speaking of which, isn't there a Joe Hill in this? Yeah, yeah actually. Coming right up. That's right next <laughs> Good segue. Good job. Yeah,
2: so we have In the Tall Grass by Stephen King and Joe Hill, read by Stephen Lang. Scott has this one,
0: Stephen Lang. <laughs> a lot of Stephen Lang. My <laughs> name is Stephen Lang. <laughs> he's, he's got a really deep deep, scary voice. He played um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's dad in... Oh, no. Sorry. Conan's dad in the most... Re- no, not Conan's dad. Conan's enemy in the most recent Conan movie. Um, and he also is the narrator for most of the one I'm listening to now, which is the Arnold Schwarzenegger biography.
1: Ah. Oh. Autobiography. Hmm. Is Does he sound more manly than Stefan Rudnicki?
0: Uh... I don't know. I've met Stefan Rednicki in real life. I think Stephen Lang would kick his ass. Oh. but Ste- but Stefan Rednicki um, is is got, is pretty scary himself. So because um, I think Stephen Lang, he's like a bodybuilder as well. Okay. Um, but he's got a he's got a sort of hard bitten voice. He he was um, I think he was the bad guy in Terra Nova. No 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 no. He's the hero in Terra Nova. He's the he's the uh, He's the bad guy in Avatar, I think.
1: You know. Oh, with the so. scars.
0: Yeah, that dude. I, I'm pretty sure that's him. Um, but he's he's been a, a audiobook narrator for eons. He's really good. Great. So, what is this book? Scott's reviewing this as well. He he reviewed it already. He yeah. really liked it. Yeah, he already oh, posted that. I haven't read that. Okay. In the tall grass begins with a sister and a brother who pull off to the side of the road after hearing a young boy crying for help beyond, from beyond the tall grass. Within minutes, they are disoriented in deeper than it seems possible, and they have lost one another. The boy cries. The boy's cries are more and more desperate. What follows is a terrifying, entertaining, and massively told tale. As only Stephen King... T- hey!
1: They just left his son out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Joe Hill what? is Stephen King's son. anyway yeah. not know? Yes.
2: Yeah, I guess yes. you don't know.
1: What a cheater! It left him right out of the title. Hmm. Only Terrible. Stephen King can do this. I guess he has more uh, na- pull still. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, uh, yeah. I. You know what? I prefer uh, Joe Hill myself. I like Stephen King, but he writes too long.
1: <laughs> I like the um, "Horns" by Joe Hill, his novel. That's pretty. How good. long is this one? It doesn't. It doesn't have. A, I, I think know. it's like a novella. I don't think it's that long.
0: Okay. Well, Scott's got it. All, all he, he, he posted it. Okay, yeah, I'm going to check that out. What's next?
2: Oh, next is Lucifer's Hammer by Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell. Performed by Mark Vitor, I guess, and it's on Brilliance. Mm-hmm. This one is 21 discs long. Uh,
0: oh, one <laughs> One of Luke's favorite uh, books. Is it? So yeah. th-
2: is this an older one?
0: Yeah.
2: I meant to look that up.
0: Uh, yeah, it's like 1980 or so. Oh, okay. um, it's I've read it's good. It's um, it does, If you listen to Luke's review, it does have a lot of um, sort of built-in racism, which it's kind of like uh, it's sort of a pattern with Niven and Purnell. When you remember we did uh, the Moat God's Eye, right?
1: Mm-hmm. That's like the same era, right?
0: Yeah, uh, I think Moat God's Eye is earlier, uh, but this one's set on Earth. And it's basically, it's an end-of-the-world book, so...
2: So this is pre-Modis.
0: <laughs> Pre-Modis, yeah. Uh, oh, it's 77. Okay, so...
1: Um, it's post-apocalyptic, sort of.
0: or It is, it is apocalyptic.
1: Apocalyptic, literally.
0: A little bit of post. Mostly it's po- apocalyptic. Um, there was a kind of a... a this is a huge book um, in terms of putting uh science fiction into the bestseller category.
3: Hmm.
0: It was um, very popular as a as a um, a print book. And I think as a paper book uh, paperback it it was very, Very, very popular.
2: You know, based on the description, maybe we should be looking around for comets that have slammed into Earth because there are earthquakes, tidal waves, and ice mentioned. And Uh I think that we're going to have all of those this week, right? In our North American weather forecast.
0: It's uh, part of the argument maybe that the reason Earth has oceans is because of comets. Mm. I've heard that argument used in science fiction novels. I don't know. Uh, how Earth got its oceans, but we've definitely kept them as opposed to any other planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Good. I... Yeah, Maybe I said yeah, I was interested in... Read it and read it recently to... to um, to have an urgent burning to desire to read it, but it is an excellent book. It's um it's epic.
2: Yeah, it looks like it.
0: Epic characters, well, again, but um, ideas are strong, and... Uh, Description very very accurate I think.
1: Huh. other than the
0: racism that's sort of hidden,
1: and I guess it's over twenty hours.
0: Twenty one, one step. It?
2: it was twenty one discs, so yeah, okay. over over that. Twenty
0: seven, something like that.
2: Yeah,
0: it's a big book. Actually, I, I bought a paperback of it the other day because it was cheap. I said, "Oh, you gotta have this."
2: Hmm. You could read along. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can do your oh. own whisper sync.
2: <laughs> Okay, well, up next, Jesse, I think I've picked this one out for you. Um, Seven Wonders by Adam Christopher, performed by Nick Podell. This is one of those Angry Robot on Brilliance audio titles. It's all about superheroes.
0: You think I'm a superhero dude? Well, it
2: sounds like a, a graphic novel or a comic book to me, but it's a novel form.
0: Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not, I actually don't like superheroes. <laughs> well, <laughs> What kind of like comic com- book
2: fan are you?
0: I'm uh, discriminating. <laughs> I thought you liked indie I like indie superheroes. Well, like, like, um, you know, I've no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a, basically what I do is I follow writers. So Neil Gaiman writes a book, I'll read that. Gareth Ennis writes a book, I'll read that. Um, and there's a few like Greg Rucka. He's done a couple superheroes ones. Yeah, I'll read, I'll read some of that. But I don't pick up books just because they've got, you know. Captain America in them or anything like that. I, you know, not since I was a kid.
2: Well, have you tried Adam Christopher?
0: No, I've not. (laughs) I know that Adam Christopher had another book out not that long ago. Empire State. Yeah, and that sounded pretty interesting, so.
2: Yeah.
1: And he's on like a podcast every week, it seems Mm -hmm. like. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah,
2: he's pretty growing in popularity, so I was surprised to see a new book so soon.
0: The bustling metropolis of San Ventura mm-hmm. is by fear and it's a city under siege by a hooded supervillain called the Cowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Tony develops superpowers and acts to take down the Cowl, however, he finds that he, the local superhero team, seven wonders aren't as grateful as he'd assumed they'd be. Mm. <laughs> not terrible. Yeah. It would be good. Maybe? It, it's, it's not part of the series, right? No, I don't think
1: so. No. I'm going to look more up about this one, and then I'll... Maybe Graphic Audio can adapt it.
0: Uh, you know, I, I would prefer that they do some non-superheroes uh, uh, DC Marvel, mm-hmm. because I'm just sick of those guys. Right. I'm sick. Uh, you know, how many times does Wolverine have to have the same you know conversation with his enemies, and how many times does you, have, you reboot Batman? You can't just do it over and over again. Just becomes boring. So, new superheroes gives the potential to um, to give you something new and interesting. You know, um, the guy who created The Walking Dead also did a superhero comic, and it's it's actually quite good. It's um, it's called uh, I was gonna say Supreme, but that's not it. Um, it's like Indefeatable or something like that, um, and it's good, it's like it's, you get a new universe, right, it's not set in the Marvel Universe, it's not set in the DC Universe and, you know the twists and turns and uh, even if the main character isn't killed off there seems to be pretty heavy consequences to them I, I just, I like that potential rather than, you know Marvel Universe, Metropolis Gotham, etc so yeah, that's a good idea <laughs> Next up. Next up.
2: Uh, well, you'd mark this one, Jesse, Breakdown by Katherine Amtana, performed by mm. Ralph Lister.
0: What's that? <laughs> How did I mark it <laughs> <laughs> A new plague decimates humanity. Um, man loses his wife and baby daughter. Six years after a pandemic devastates the human population, former rock star Chris Price finally makes it from New York to Britain to reunite with his brother. Hmm, sounds pretty good. His passage leaves him scarred in body and mind by exposure to humankind as it's most desperate and dangerous. But another ordeal awaits him beyond the urban ruins in an idyllic country refuge. Hey, this sounds familiar. Where Chris meets a woman, Pauline, who is largely untouched by the world's horse. It sounds like death of grass. Don't you think?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff. I, I don't think... I think this may be her first novel on her own, too. I was looking around...
0: I'm not. Uh, She's written not...
2: something with Nick Podell but.
0: Let's see what we got for her.
1: So you mark this because it's like Death and Grass?
0: I don't know I <laughs> marked it. <laughs> usually, usually I mark something because uh, you know, I know the author or it sounds like an interesting premise. In this case, I think it's the, the latter. Yeah. It sounds like an premise.
2: And the cover is pretty cool.
0: Um, you know what, that might have been in. I might have seen the video, and I said, that looks cool. Mm. I think covers matter.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up for um, you know disaster books. I like them. Um, I listened to, and speaking of Death of Grass, I listened to uh, a new audio dramatization done by BBC. And um, it you don't really need to listen to it if you read the book. <laughs> um, it just really is very faithful. Um, and it has a narration, so hmm. I I was like, "Yep, this is just a book." It <laughs> really faithful. Um,
2: so maybe preferable to the movie, but not necessarily better yeah. than the book. <laughs> the, the
0: movie is interesting, but it's not good, um, and the book's good. Although it is, uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't end on a happy note, does it? Mm-mm. All right. yeah, the book almost um, seemed like an audio drama. It
1: was like mostly dialogue.
0: Yeah, it was, and it, it very much fit. Uh, I think it very much fit. So if you haven't heard the book, yeah, I guess you could listen to the audio drama. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what's up? Embedded? Yeah, yeah, I just said that I, I read part of this a while ago. Well, let's say I what
2: remember. it is so people know. Okay. Embedded by Dan Abnett, performed by Eric G. Dove. This is another Angry Robot title, and he pretty much writes military sci-fi, right? Is that what this is?
1: Looks like it. Well, it's a reporter, and he gets a yeah, and he gets a chip. Well, actually, he go his brain gets copied into a chip that goes into a soldier. Hmm. So I guess you would call it military sci-fi, but it's a reporter's point of view. Oh, okay. And uh, and Dan Abbott writes mostly those uh, Warhammer uh, 40k books.
2: Yeah, that's what he's really known for.
1: Which is uh, a game tie-in series. So, I mean, it wasn't bad. I, sh- I should just finish it. And it's it's not too long either.
0: Huh.
1: It's a good premise. But uh, I just I just happen to not finish it. He's British. I didn't realize Dan
0: Abbott was British.
1: Huh. Yeah, he's a very busy writer. He always, he always has something new coming out.
2: Yeah, seems like.
1: It. What's the setting for this book? Is it like way in the future, or is it just? I think it's near, near it future, but, but somehow the the uh, brain uploading is possible.
2: Well, and it's it looks like it takes place on the colony planet of eighty six, so
1: oh, it oh, must yeah, be maybe. a
2: little bit in the future.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Considering we haven't got one, two, three, four, five yet. Yeah.
2: Well, and on the cover, you wouldn't be able to tell. It's just a, a guy in like combat gear. And, yeah. mm-hmm. like, there's clouds and dust and everything. So, could be anywhere.
0: Okie dokie. Now, uh, next one, I think, is uh, Tam and Jenny. You both read this? Yeah. Um,
2: I think we all kind of marked the Neal Stephenson stuff to talk about. Because we have yeah. new re released audiobooks of both The Diamond Age and Snow Crash.
0: These are, you know, Neal Stephenson's, mm-hmm. he's just. Um, he's sort of different from most science fiction writers mm-hmm. I think he, he sort of got a modern classic sort of thing going on because yeah you can't really keep him out of print even in audio yeah and I you know what I've not read anything so you're gonna have to tell me I, I, I explain to me why everybody is either loves or hates Neil, Steph- no, Neil Stephenson
2: I would be happy to because I have both of those feelings <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and it just for me it depends on which books that we're talking about. Um, both of these books I loved, and Snow Crash, you know, is pretty standard cyberpunk, and then Diamond Age. Tam, would you call that steampunk? Kind of. Yeah,
1: steampunk, but with uh, what do you call it? Um, steam cyberpunk. <laughs> there's like nanotechnology, but it's used to create like a steampunk-like world.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's kind really of a kind of kind of creative that way um but then there are some books like uh quicksilver that's the first one in that trilogy the
1: the baroque cycle
2: the baroque cycle that one i actually literally threw across the room i was so frustrated (laughs) (laughs) Hmm.
1: (laughs) because it i mean
2: what he's trying to do is he's incorporating these historical characters that were important to math and physics and um i just don't know a lot about that stuff and
0: Oh,
1: that sounds good to me.
2: I felt like he—he yeah. he the author was proving to me how much more he knew than I did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he can—he can be very information heavy, and if you like geeking out on whatever topic he's running about, you'll love it. But otherwise, right. it's probably if not he, for you. Yeah,
0: okay, maybe he is for me. Look, you know
1: what? Why don't you mark me down for Snow Crash? Because it's been
0: years that people are saying, "Yeah, read Snow Crash." Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I hear
1: that it's bad, and I also hear oh, that no. it's well, no. Luke didn't like yeah. it, but everyone else did.
0: Yeah, I I, now you think it's just Luke. Yeah,
1: I I think it's the one I've heard of that didn't like it in the
0: whole world. All right, well, I'll give it a shot. I mean, it it, it's um I haven't heard anything that was definitively negative or definitively positive.
1: Uh, So what's Jenny's favorite book, isn't
0: it? One of your favorites? It's one of my favorites. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna give that one a shot. Hopefully, I won't offend Jenny if I don't like it. At least.
2: Sorry. i don't know i think i don't you might like cryptonomicon or the broke cycle more like if you really wanted something that
0: i want uh, something short and standalone so that i can well, be sh- yeah short you're not going to get with
2: no you know.
1: <laughs> well this is only 14 cds yeah that's i mean not yeah and his later books it gets really long
2: yeah like yeah, anathema so was about a thousand yeah. and ream was a thousand, a
0: thousand cds <laughs> thousand cds <laughs> thousand hilarious. hours
2: Well, and while we're talking about Neil Stevenson, can I just mention the huge pile of Mongoliad audiobooks I have? Because um, they've re-released... They just released volume two of the Mongoliad, but then... Or I guess it's technically it's book two. um, But then they re-released both book one and book two as collector's editions. um, What's the difference? Because they incorporate the prequels Dreamer and Sinner into the collector's editions. But it also looks like they've gone back and um, edited the story I think the stories are literally different they um, you know because they didn't exactly crowdsource these books but they wrote them as a team and so then they went back through and figured out what the story really was and kind of overhauled wow. it from what I understand <laughs> Interesting. so I have collector's editions of one and two I have the new release of book two and then I have standalone prequels of both Sinner and Dreamer Do you have
0: different narrators?
2: No, they're all done by Luke Daniels, I think. Let me look. Yeah, everything in the Mongoliad is performed by Luke Daniels.
0: I wanted to tell you the other reason I wanted to try Snow Crash is because Jonathan Davis is the narrator, and I know he's good. Oh, yeah, he's good. Uh, We had him on that uh, podcast to discuss. Yeah, he, uh, He likes us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well we like it well and this um, is the
2: same version that came out in 2001 so yeah. when I downloaded this from Audible last year I think this was the version I listened to and it was good
1: I'm, I'm looking forward to it now
2: good
1: at least the first uh, thing with the, the, the pizza boy is great
2: yeah <laughs>
1: that, that's, that's as far as I got I'll, I'll order some pizza to eat while I'm
0: listening to it <laughs> yep. and then and then and then talk to the pizza boy that delivers the pizza about the book I'm listening to. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, have you read Snow Crash?
0: <sighs> yeah, it won't be a it'll be a pizza old man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay, Snow what? Well, all right.
2: We're gonna move past our science fiction section into our fantasy section. Um, there's a lot of books in this category. And we're not gonna talk about all of them, but first one up is Tales from the Fire Zone by Jonathan Mabry. Um These are short stories read by Tom Weiner on Blackstone Audio. And one of the stories was written exclusively for Blackstone Audio, so you have to buy that version to get that story.
0: Yeah, and I went to, uh, after looking at the cover, which I thought was actually pretty cool, on the video, I went to, I think, Blackstone. And, you know, Tom Weiner's a great narrator. Mm -hmm. But um, I think on Blackstone they gave a description of the um of the stories or maybe it was you who gave the description of the stories in the video was it you
2: yeah i probably just read what the cover said
0: yeah and one of them was like there's a sherlock holmes story
2: uh-huh there's a sherlock holmes tale based on a real-life ghost story from 19th century west virginia
0: that sounds cool psychological- that's called the adventure of the Greenbrier ghost oh, okay
2: psychological thriller about a little girl whose imaginary friends are guiding her through the process of becoming a serial killer. <laughs> and <Yikes. laughs> An urban noir fantasy tale introducing werewolf P.I. Sam Hunter.
0: <laughs> Those are the only three
2: that have the descriptions on the back, so I, I think you actually have to sit and listen Just to more that, here.
0: You. Property Condemned is a set in the Pine Deep, the small town featured in Ghost Road Blues, Dead Man's Song, and Ben Bad Moon Rising, this is a chilling psychological ghost story, and then Cooked (laughs) is an exclusive story written, especially for Blackstone Audio. But I love the cover, it's got like, it's got, you know, five different images, Mm -hmm. and each of them is uh, I guess scarier than the last. (laughs) There's like a, some dude falling, some really scary looking serial killer baby, (laughs) werewolf P.I., a house and then there's like a garden gnome and I know garden gnomes are pretty scary. Yeah.
2: And a scary garden gnome. It's not just,
0: yeah, garden. it's creepy, creepy garden gnome
2: uh,
3: They're creepy
0: um, already.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I, I like, you know, I like short books and I love this length of stuff. Yeah. Three discs, three and a half hours, three discs. Um, and that reminds me that, um, did you guys sign up for downpour that the new Blackstone, um, site? Uh, for it's basically Blackstone's version of Audible.
2: Hmm. And now I, didn't
0: I, sign up I. And found I found my way
2: into it, but I hadn't.
0: Oh well. Um, you should because it's basically it's just like Audible, except my understanding is that it's DRM free. Oh, nice. And they've got huge numbers of books. I was looking at the um, the let's see if I can bring it up here, the fiction section. Let's see how many books it says. It's still in beta, but it seems to be working pretty well. They've got 5,381 fiction books. Hmm. Oh, it works in Canada? It works in Canada. Well, um, they've got Mystery and Detective, they've got 1,395 books. It's pretty impressive, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Let's yeah. give it a try. Now, what, about, now, what about by science fiction? That's the real question. I think... I can bring that up. Science fiction. There it is. This is not including fantasy, lesbian, literary, or any of the other categories. Just science fiction. 435.
2: No, well, That would keep you busy for a while.
0: I think so. <laughs> you know, Blackstone's got good stuff. So good. Uh, on the front
1: page, Door into Ocean. Oh. Okay.
2: Yeah, we're going to read that I, one of these days. I read right? the...
1: Yeah. Sure. I mean, I read the Kindle sample, actually.
2: hmm
1: Yeah. It's actually couched in a fantasy style, but it's really science fiction. Yeah. Let's um,
0: let's uh, let's do a, a new book and let's try and get it from Downport because I, I want to, I want some competition for Audible.
2: <laughs> Apparently, we are not sponsored by Audible. <laughs> Just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems like every other podcast is. Are aren't yeah. they sponsoring Luke, or did that fall through? Uh, no, no, they do. I think I think it's the, the way it works, they
0: they do it, sort of in periods of time, mm-hmm. like you get. You you know sponsored for three episodes or something. Um, You know how much you get paid every time somebody signs up. This is the interesting part. Fifteen bucks. (laughs) Which I believe is the price of uh, a sign up. Yeah, that's true. So interesting. That's how they do it.
2: All right. Should we keep going
0: here?
1: Well, I actually uh, I just want to mention I I read the first um, Jonathan Mary Mayberry Joe Ledger book Patient Zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, Julie Davis has read a lot of the books in his Joe Ledger series, and I think she's reviewed them too for SF Audio.
2: Yeah, she, I think she liked them against her will, right? She didn't. think She, <laughs> she would, and then she did.
1: <laughs> I didn't want to like these. Yeah. yeah, I think they're like zombies and government agents and stuff. Yeah, but uh, she liked it. She really likes the uh, central character.
2: Hmm. Huh. I'm gonna have to give those a try.
1: Got 143 horror books
0: on Donpar. Nice. Mm. Sign me up for the lesbian books. <laughs> um, let me let me check and see how many they have, Tam. What if there's only two? Uh, I might get upset. Really Let's see, lesbians. Uh, oh, they've got a separate section for occult and supernatural. Um, there's only two, Tam. <laughs> that oh, that's wow. a good guess. Well, Yeah, they've got a Jewish section too. Let's see. Huh. How about Jewish lesbians? Uh they've got four Jewish books, but only two lesbian books. Discrimination disappointing. I bet there's a
1: lot more Christian books, let's see. Well uh Doris you could (laughs) say is lesbian because it's an all female moon.
0: No, I think I think it's like uh it has to be uh without any other content.
2: Predominant theme.
0: Yeah. Well, without any other content. Every page has lesbian action going on. It's so okay. Next one.
2: All right, next one. <laughs> Cold Days by Jim Butcher, read by James Marsters. Wait, did I spell that right? you are excited about this. I, it, I have a lot of friends who love these books, like love these books. And this, is, of course, is one of the Dresden file books and doesn't actually come out until after Thanksgiving here. Um, but we have it now. It's Penguin Audio. And the reason I wanted to mention it is because it's back to James Marsters again. The last Dresden yeah. book had a different narrator, and some people were really upset by that. And he does a really great job with them. He's perfect for Harry Dresden. So that's yeah, all I wanted to Spike, really say.
1: On, he played Spike on the um, Buffy series.
2: Mm-hmm. But, but in,
3: he in these, have, he's...
1: Yeah, he doesn't have a British accent no. like, on the TV show. Yeah. So, I, so I think he, he uses like his, his actual accent. Yeah.
2: Which is but kind of good. dry, and yeah, it's good.
1: I, I, I listened to the first book. I, I liked it pretty mm-hmm. good. He uh, like he doesn't try to imitate every different character's voice. He just kind of talks as the main character all the way through, very conversational. And, and, yeah. and it works. It, it sounds very realistic.
2: Yeah, it's perfect because Dresden's kind of the fantasy hard-boiled detective, you know. So
0: it's good. Sounds good.
2: Yeah, I already have reviewers lined up for that one because people were really excited.
0: Stevie and Mike, who who are Stevie and Mike? I'm
2: actually friends of mine from a different book club where we read the first Dresden book together. Good stuff. Yeah.
0: All right. Keep keep finding people. We need them. Yes.
2: Oh, hey, reviewers out there, contact me. I need you. Thank you.
1: I think Julia's read these too. Yeah. At least some of them. Mm -hmm. When We Have Wings by Claire
0: Corbett. Mm. So first novel mm-hmm. I guess it must be the first in the series then huh? no just her first <laughs> novel uh, so Belinda is being released by Brilliance
2: yeah we got okay. three titles in that are Belinda audio um, this one the description of it was really interesting to me Set in a near future Australia where sea levels have risen and our tampering with genetics have altered not, our own, not only our own biology but that of many of the life forms surrounding us and one of the things that has happened is the creation of humans with wings. Huh. Huh. So I thought it sounded like a really interesting premise, so I listened to a little bit of it. And one thing I would say about this is it's um, read by Peter Hosking in a very Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I marked it, because it's, you have to really kind of focus. It's a pretty severe accent.
0: Okay, let's let's listen to it.
2: <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like an interesting premise. The front of it looks like a... Um, angel book. Yeah, it looks like an angel book. <laughs> like in the self-help section that you would find. Yeah. Like, yeah but it's not. It's...
0: Finding an angel too. that will that will improve your lifestyle.
2: Yeah. But then it's about like genetic modification and... Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. All the reviews are really good. Like people seem hmm. really impressed by the book. So that made me more curious.
1: Hmm. There's a whole angel thing in urban fantasy too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I th- yeah, angels are like zombies for Christians, or something. I don't. Uh, wait, that doesn't. That doesn't quite fit. But there's there is something about like angel. People read angel books, and there's actual angel movies too. Yeah.
1: They're like, like I think I think vi- they're vampires for Christians. <laughs> vampires for Christians. Uh, I don't
2: think the angels in urban fantasy are that kind of angel, though. I don't know. Probably not.
1: Probably not. They're not celibate. I know that. <laughs> wow, that would make it
0: pointless, right? Yeah. Just like vampires that are celibate. <laughs> exactly. Or uh, zombies that aren't hungry. <laughs> or zombies that are celibate. <laughs> you know what? I've read way too many zombie books that have zombies not spending their time worrying about eating things, they spend their time worrying about their relationships. <laughs> Or worry about, uh, you know, yeah, having sex with It's like, get past it. Just because you wrote a book, you don't have to go in and add zombies to it. It, Zombies should be not changed, I think.
2: Yeah. Whatever. Okay. I I just wanted to mention this in passing because I think the Miriam Black books are brilliant. This is the second one. It's performed by the same reader as performed the first one. Um, But if you haven't listened to these and you like kind of edgy fantasy, I guess, is what we could call it. It's kind of like a female Stephen King character.
0: We're talking about the Mockingbird? Yes.
2: Yeah, and the first one's called Blackbird. So, just wanted to mention that we got the second one in. And um, this... This is interesting because it kind of took the character, Miriam Black, in a direction I didn't expect. Like, it starts out with her having to work in a normal job. She's, like, working at a supermarket. <laughs> so it's pretty entertaining. Oh, grocery store.
1: And they're not too long, either. If you like oh, short. no. Yeah, that oh, look nice and short. Great discs. Nice covers.
0: Yeah,
2: the covers are cool.
0: So what's this next one? Is it a collection?
2: Yeah, it looks like a bunch of short stories.
0: An apple for the creature. An apple mm. for
2: the creature,
0: and instead of feature, I guess. Yeah,
2: I think. I wish mm. I could tell you more about it. All of the stories are kind of uh, school related.
0: It says it includes a never-before-published Suki Stackhouse story.
2: Yes, called "Playing Possum."
0: Playing <laughs> possum. But there's oh, both. it's
1: got a good cover. Wow, yeah, That's it's really What cool. cool. they're really getting good at covers now.
2: Yeah, they
1: are. I don't understand what the theme is.
2: Just school-related short stories. Oh. Oh, 13 original frightening tales about monster-made mayhem in school.
1: (laughs) Oh. I guess it's YA, kind of?
0: I doubt it. No, just...
1: It's sort of just an unusual
0: topic for... uh, for... a collection, Mm. an anthology. Um... Do we know any of the narrators? Yeah, Luke Daniels and Angela Daw.
2: It's just those two. Okay. They must be hmm. the fourth.
0: Uh, who else has uh, written stories in this? We've got Marjorie M. Liu. Uh, hmm. Steve Hawkinsmith. He's he's uh, he's all over the... the um, what is it? Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine. Hmm think or maybe it's Ellery Queen one or the other he's he's all over that and Jonathan Mayberry yeah we just mentioned Mm, right
2: Alona Andrews who shows up in a lot of these like urban fantasy anthologies
0: okay next up ashes of honor
2: an October day novel
0: how did did I oh I selected this it's got Mary Robinette as narrator
1: that's Mm. why yes
2: and it's by Shannon McGuire, and it's eleven discs.
1: Is that the same okay. world as the, uh, I guess, the zombie series? No. October. Day. And of
2: course, those are not written by the same author.
1: <laughs> no, no. What, what what's that, and McGuire? Oh.
2: Those are Mira Grant. That's
1: a different name. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's how you a, can a tell. A different pen
1: talking. name. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, these are the October Day, the October Day character, who I have not read any of, but. This one sounds interesting. There's
0: 10 books in that series, the October Day oh, series. Oh, wow, okay. Um, wow. What's this one? The title on this one is
2: Ashes of Honor.
0: Ashes of Honor. That would mean it is book six. Okay. And that's the most recent one out, but there's actually four more coming hmm. uh, in the next four years September 2013, there's number seven, 2014, number eight, 2015, number know? nine. And 2010, uh, sorry, 2016 has uh, Book 10. How do I know? I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry on uh, Seanan McGuire. Oh. Can you believe she sold books for the next five years?
2: She must have quite the following.
0: Uh, clearly, that's uh, usually you don't book that far ahead, you know?
2: Mm-mm.
0: It's like a year ahead, maybe.
1: She's set for life, though.
2: Yeah, and you know, I've only read her zombie books, so I feel like I need to try some of the other side of things. Right?
0: What's up next? Nightwatch.
2: By Sergei Lukyanenko. Oh,
0: nice pronunciation. <laughs> I don't know how you say it.
2: Uh, performed oh. by Paul Michael. This book is just like one of the top sellers in Russia.
0: It's a. Oh, right. Okay. it's, so a, it's really a translation, one. right?
2: hmm. Yeah, it's not in Russian. <laughs>
0: I have this print rough.
2: at home. I just haven't read it yet. So
0: it's long. Oh, it's interesting looking. Um, was there, yeah, there's a TV movie,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think. Oh, two films based on the novel, 2004 Night Watch, and the follow-up, Day Watch, have been produced.
2: Yeah. Hi. And it's all about, like, dark and light, and there are the others living among us. It's an ancient race of humans with supernatural powers, so looks like it fits very well into a fantasy scenario, except for it's set in modern-day Moscow. Just sounds
0: like you know, we might be able though. to sell Luke on this because um, he's been really into the foreign, foreign fantasy. Oh, yeah, I should ask him. Yeah, I'll uh, put it to him.
2: Okay, so well. the next one I've marked just because it looks like a lot of fun. and <laughs> I don't even really listen to this kind of book, but...
0: The zombie P.I.? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the cover's great. It's called Death Warmed Over... Dan Shamble, Zombie PI by Kevin J. Anderson, performed by Phil Gigante on Brilliant.
0: Narration, I bet.
2: Yeah. And it's set in New Orleans, looks like. And the description of it just makes it sound like it's a lot of fun. Oh, great
1: cover, yeah. Great cover, it's only eight yeah. discs. Uh,
0: uh, <laughs> you, you know, you're going to pick that up and look and at it, eight even eight if you nine, don't yeah. read it. You look at the cover. It's great. Yeah. It's funny uh, yeah I, I don't I don't accept the premise at all.
2: <laughs> it's been hell being a detective, especially for zombie p i Dan Shapoo.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he has a human lawyer for a partner, a ghost for a girlfriend, <laughs> but just because he was murdered doesn't mean he'd leave his clients in lurch. Besides, zombies are so good at lurching. <laughs> oh. yeah, it just seems so fun.
1: He's good at brain finding.
2: Hmm. <laughs> he would be. <laughs>
1: Uh, Kevin J.
0: Anderson, um, how long is this? Eight, Eight discs. discs Eight discs, okay, so it's a short one for him He could, he could toss this one off, you know, in between three uh, Dune novels <laughs> Yeah, it's like one hike and he can dictate it Exactly
2: That's why I know the name, I couldn't figure it out
0: <laughs> well, he's, a, he's, actually, he's actually capable of good writing um, It's just that that's not what people seem to buy
1: Hmm <laughs> It's very very oh. prolific.
0: Yeah, it's it's getting mixed reviews. It's got six six reviews for for uh, three and a half stars. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Okay, so up next is another big stack of Philip K. Dick books. Oh. Yeah. People Jeez. are just churning these out like crazy wow. this year.
0: I just finished listening to one. Uh, it's not on this list. From I don't last think. Time. Um, it's called. Um, uh, the Man Who Japed. Oh, you... and I liked it so much I've got to actually re-listen to it because I there were some parts where I wasn't paying as close attention as I should have. And I'm like, the scenes where I was paying close attention, I'm like, damn, this is really interesting, of course. You know, he's... I, I, I get the sense, though, that the narrator is either doing something that I'm not used to or... Or that the character is not who I thought he was, because most Philip K. Dick characters they're very um, they're not really confident. They're just sort of living, and they they they're you know like they're more like um, questioning. And this guy seemed a lot more confident than than I think uh, he should be, <laughs> just because he seems to he's living in a Philip K. Dick world, you know. <laughs> Things that are not as they seem exactly, but it's really yeah. It was, it was surprisingly good. It's it. I think the way I was conf- you know trying to figure out what's going on is it's basically they're living in a future in which um, there has in the past been a massive reform like the um, the republic in England. You know um, what was the Commonwealth? Who was the head of the Commonwealth in England when they kicked out the king? Cromwell. Cromwell, right? So uh, in the past, there's been some massive Puritan reformer, and the society has evolved uh, with those thoughts in mind. And the main character is basically a writer for a for a uh, news agency or a media agency that sells to the government newspapers and hmm. uh, government television uh, programs about. Uh, entertainment, but everything has to be approved morally. And so there's stuff in the book where you're saying, hey, this is Philip K. Dick talking about how he has to deal with his editors. And he has to explain to them what the point of the story is because they say, I like your writing, but I don't understand this story. (laughs) And then he has to explain to them, well, you see, the tree is a symbol. It's a symbol for society. (laughs) (laughs) And... And then the editor asks some questions. And basically, it, the main character has has to—he's living a double life where he's he's actually rebelling against the society, but he's also um, coming into control over the society. And he's got a wife and maybe a, a mistress, and and yet he's super confident in places where I think he's like he shouldn't be confident there, but very interesting very interesting book
2: well what i love about going through just the descriptions of the pile is because they're all different like yeah just there's such a wide range of what he writes about one of them has a composer who plays his instrument with his mind uh one of them has a toxic love affair with sentient robots (laughs) (laughs) one has something about a giant alien jellyfish so you know Lots of different let's,
0: stuff. Let's talk about a, a few of these. So the simulacra, um, I think I have a copy of that somewhere. Uh, On Ravaged Earth, fate and circumstances bring together a disparate group of characters, including a fascist with the dreams of a coup, a composer who plays his instrument with his mind, and a first lady who calls all the shots, and the world's last pra- practicing therapist. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, actually, I have started that one. Yeah. Um, it's it's very strange. The first lady of the United States is actually in charge and every four years you elect her husband. <laughs> she gets into a new husband. That's funny. It is pretty funny. Um, and uh, yeah, there's lots of stuff about music. Philip K. Dick was a music fan. Mm-hmm. The Kraken Space, um, seven CDs. When a repairman accidentally discovers a parallel universe, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know much about that one, but I... I'd be up for that. Total Recall. Now, this is one CD.
2: Yeah, because it's a a short short story. story. And I mean, that's not supposed to be the title of it, right? I mean, I went and did some research on it. He didn't publish it as Total Recall, but whatever.
1: (laughs) I guess we can uh, remember for you wholesale.
0: Yes, we can remember it for you wholesale. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is actually a very good short story. Yep. I'd be up for that, too. Uh, We can build you this lyrical moving novel, Philip intertwines a toxic love affair about sentient robots and unflinching views of it all through the prism of mental illness. Hmm, sounds like a Philip book. I, I don't <laughs> know much about that one either, but I'd be up for that. Now, Solar Lottery is one of his first novels. It's either second or it may be his first. Um, it's an ace book as well. In 2203, anyone can become the ruler of the solar system. There are no elections, no interviews, no prereqs whatsoever. It all comes down to the random turns of a giant wheel. But when a new quiz master takes over, the old one still keeps some rights, namely the right to hire an unending stream of assistance to attempt to kill the new leader. <laughs> hmm. There's Philip K. Dick's idea of how to run the United States. Yeah. Um, and then The World's Jones Made, which I've got a copy of somewhere in paperback, I think. I'd be up for a read-along, Jenny. What do you think? Sure. It's only six discs. Oh, there you go. Precognition in a world ruled by relativism and giant alien jellyfish.
2: Yeah, I just pulled out things from the description because, like, it. how can you fit those all into one thing? I don't know.
0: Great cover, to the original. Uh, not These brilliance ones are terrible, are they not? Maybe They're maybe the... recall Minimalist, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, we should notice these, these are all on... Um, yeah, that's different. how the
1: paper... That's how the paperbacks do. Minimalist covers.
2: Yeah, because yeah, they've they're... released them in paper, too, right?
1: Yeah.
2: But these are all different readers, but they're all on brilliance. Hmm. So, yeah, looks good.
1: That's the
0: highlight of the show for me right there.
2: Yeah, it's so. amazing, the, the incredible body of work he has. It's just incredible.
0: All right, next up, we have to go down a couple pages.
2: Yeah, we have a lot of books in that are kind of in the thriller or adventure or crime category, so I would encourage everyone to go and watch some of those new release videos because most of them we won't mention. Um, I did want to highlight just one because it looks like it's the first book in a new series. Um, That one is called Gone. It's by Randy Wayne White, read by Renee Roudman, and that one's on Penguin. And it features the character of Hannah Smith, a tall, strong, formidable Florida woman, the descendant of generations of strong Florida women. She makes her living as a fishing guide, but her friends, neighbors, and clients also know her as an uncommonly resourceful woman with a keen sense of justice. <laughs> so um, this guy is written...
0: Someone who can't be bullied.
2: Yeah. This guy's written another series that's pretty popular, but this is the first in this one. So I just thought it was worth a mention. Always nice to Uh, get the first of a series.
0: (laughs) I should also tell you that um, A Murder of Quality, I'll take that just because it's four CDs, Michael Jaston narration. Yeah, okay. I love Michael Jaston's a really good narrator, and I'm going to start getting into John Le very shortly.
2: Yeah, and we have another John Le that's only four discs, too, called Call for the Dead. A lot of these are kind of... um, they tell the early George Smiley story?
0: Yeah. So. You know what? I'll take both of them. Okay,
2: cool. Um, so our last category, well, I guess I have two more. I have literary and nonfiction. Um, under literary, I just wanted to mention This Is How You Lose Her by Juno Diaz. It's read by Juno Diaz. Um, this was very recently nominated for the National Book Award for the United States. Um, and it's a Really great listen. It's really quick. It was like five discs. Um, I already reviewed it on the website, so please check that out.
1: It's about like but, a really nerdy guy.
2: Well, the brief, wondrous life of Oscar Wow is, um, but one of the characters in that novel, Junior, the stories kind of revolve around him. So it's connected to that novel, which I loved. Wow. Um, but it's very much about the immigrant experience and. Identity and that kind of thing, but there's a little bit of geekiness in there too, which is good. Mm. Um, okay, so it looks like. And you
1: really, li- you really liked him on that podcast, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's a. Apparently, he's writing a um, dystopian novel right now, which I'm really excited about.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> so. So okay. Yeah, we're into nonfiction. This is the last section. Yes. The last Yes. Um, um, lot of did Scott say he's going to take that John, Joseph P. Kennedy book he didn't that one is oh, okay. like
2: 24 or 26 discs
0: yeah I thought he mentioned that last night
2: oh, okay well he had been watching a documentary that was related but I don't know if he wants to. Oh, it
0: okay. it's a big one
2: um, there's also Waging Heavy Peace by Neil Young read by Keith Carradine who was um, on that wow, Nashville movie Carradine. Carradine okay yeah
0: um, he's, he's related to the other Caradine. yeah David? Uh, Kung the Kung Fu one, yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, Keith Carradine, actually. He's a he's, a, he's a fun movie actor.
2: Yeah, I've only seen him in that one from 1975.
0: So He was in a 1980 movie, I think. Oh. Uh, 1981 called Southern Comfort. That is a very, very good movie. It's basically a um, metaphorical look at Vietnam. Um, a National Guard uh, squad in... In Vietnam, uh, sorry, in Louisiana, goes on maneuvers in the swamp, and um, it turns out that they stumble over like some moonshiners or something down there, and they, you know, offend them somehow, but they're they don't have any real ammunition, they only have blanks, so they get into some deep trouble because the moonshiners don't know that.
2: Hmm.
0: Very very good movie. So
2: it was in Louisiana or Vietnam.
0: It's 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 set in Louisiana, okay. and it's it's like 1981, but it's about Vietnam. So, oh,
3: okay.
0: you know, like you know, in the same way that Apocalypse Now is uh, about colonialism, mm. for example, it's it's like a meta, you know, it's like a, a metaphorical movie. I think it's about Vietnam. Hmm.
2: So, the only I other one, I was gonna... <laughs> the only other title I was going to mention. Um, because I listened to the entire thing yesterday, is <laughs> "Dream More" by Dolly Parton, read by Dolly Parton.
0: It's a inspirational biography.
2: Yeah, it it started because she gave a commencement speech at the University of Tennessee, and she expanded it into this book. Mm. And she'll say something inspirational, and then she'll break into song. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That sounds like Dolly Parton. Yeah,
2: you know, I don't really listen to country music, and I was kind of skeptical and rolling my eyes at it. But she's so, um, I don't know, what's the word? She's so enchanting. You can't help but...
0: Ebullient. Yes,
2: she is. You, like, she has this laugh, and she works yeah. so hard, and she, I don't know, she doesn't take a lot of
0: crap. She works hard for her money, it's true.
2: Yeah, and so I actually had some good advice in it. <laughs> so I enjoyed it.
0: What did you learn? What did you learn?
2: Uh, let's see. To cut out the people who suck the energy away from you, mm-hmm. and to not be held back by people who don't work as hard as you. <laughs>
0: huh. I, I guess there's a, probably a paper book version, but I'm sure the audiobook would be better, considering it's got.
2: Oh uh, yeah, because it's her. You know, you hear it right yeah. from her.
1: Right. It has music yeah. too. Original music.
2: Yeah, she just um, sings every once in a while. Oh. But it's not like um, Accompanied or anything It's just acapella You almost picture her Sitting in the studio And like Okay I'm going to sing now (laughs) Interesting Yeah
0: Yeah we've gotten A lot of biographies lately Huh?
2: Yeah Definitely
0: Cool Yeah I I guess uh, The one new release I have Is yeah I got uh, They sent me Total Recall In the mail The Unbelievable true life story of (laughs) Schwarzenegger and that I've been listening to and it is um, it's very interesting he's very candid um, talking about I mean I'm only in his early life still but he talks about uh, you know how how his father treated him and how his how his um, family what they thought of his interests he tells a, a couple really good stories about when he was in the army he was in the army in Austria and um, he, he's, you can sort of see his, his he's a very calculating guy. One of the things he did was um, he said, I'm going to join the army uh, because uh, they'll teach me things, I'll, skills I'll, I would have to pay for. So he says, oh, I'm going to join the tank corps because in order to be a tank driver, you have to know how to ride a motorcycle and drive a car and I uh, think a uh, truck. Right? you have to be taught those things before you can even learn to drive a tank mm. and otherwise he would have to pay for lessons for those things so that's his his cunning plan right um, but then uh, he does he, he does it and he goes into it and he's he's doing pretty well except uh, one day they go out on maneuvers in the tank and they have to park the tank you know in the woods and sleep under them and he parks his tank uh, climbs underneath it sleeping and when he wakes up in the morning, the tank's gone. Oops. And he's like, Yeah. He's like, What the hell? where did it go? Um, turns out he forgot to put the parking brake on. And so <laughs> while he was sleeping, uh, it slowly crawled down into a lake <laughs> and went in phrase first. Um, so uh, when they finally hauled it out, the gun had to be re bored and uh, the inside had to be cleaned. And he, he got lots of. Uh, punishment for that. How many push-ups
1: did he get for that? uh,
0: um, He he got, I think they made him uh, open the bottom hatch of the tank um, and crawl over the tank, through the tank, down under the mud, back through. He had to do that 50 times or something like that. Mm -hmm. So he just got caked in mud. And then uh, later on in his tank driving career, he was backing the tank up, and he knocked over a building. Um, and they they said, "If this isn't fixed by the time I'm back from lunch, you're out of here." Huh. And so he had to get everybody together and have them rebuild the the building.
2: So did you so, did you say that it's not him reading it?
0: it it's a combination. It's interesting because um, I thought I thought it would just be Stephen Lang all the way through, but actually it's. Uh, Arnold reading some chapters and Stephen Lang reading the others. The abridged version, which is not the one I got, uh, is eight hours, and this one I think is, let's see, it's all 20 hours, wow. yeah, 25 hours. So huh. um, it's uh, got a lot of Stephen Lang, but he tries to so sound like Arnold. Hours. No, no, he doesn't. Oh. He <laughs> just sounds, he just sounds manly.
2: I do like biographies, well, autobiographies read by the yeah. actual person. If, yeah, me too. Because, you know, it's their life and their voice. It's nice.
1: Didn't Arnold yeah. used to, like, go to bars and look for fights just to, like, practice? Oh, yeah, that's in there, stuff.
0: too. He, he, he's, you know, he's not a very smart man in many ways, and he's, he's, he's a very smart man in other ways. He's, he's, he's calculating, but he's not, he has no self-reflection. Like, except when he looks at himself in the mirror, you know, he's like, he doesn't, he doesn't, um, he doesn't do a lot of deep thinking. He's more about the physicality and mm-hmm. yeah, he, he talks about going to bars and he, every every day they they'd go to the bar after working out and get into fights. And he talked about knocking some guy's teeth out and the police came and they were arguing as to how much to, how much it would cost to have him. Get new teeth, and Arnold didn't want to pay as much as the guy wanted. It's like, what? This is terrible. Hmm. Just terrible. Not not very reflective. Not very smart. But he, on the other hand, he is smart. You know, like he's just um, he's written a very compelling autobiography. But it's not in the the tradition of um, you know uh, Christopher Hitchens or anything like that. It's it's much more um, simple. He's he's like. Um,
1: He's unreflective, I think, is what it is. Hmm. I also saw that uh, documentary when he was a bodybuilder and he was competing against Lou Ferrigno, and he was very hmm. uh, very good at scheming and getting his way to win the contest. Very good at sucking it. Psyching out the other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's very he's very successful in the things that he's gone into.
0: Yeah, um, actually, I was reading on a blog uh, just the other day, yesterday, I think it was. Um, somebody said uh, that they are finally going to do the King Conan movie that he they promise at at the end of the first Conan movie there's a um, a little clip of Arnold sitting on a throne yeah I remember that right and you know the next movie was a piece of crap yeah Uh, and so we've been waiting I don't know 30 years Uh, well he's old now yeah (laughs) If he's ever going to do a King Conan movie, it's going to have to be soon.
1: Um, and they—it sounded like there was production,
0: uh, at least pre-production,
1: underway for for that. It's not the same director as the first movie, is it, or is he Uh-oh. dead?
0: Uh, John Milius, yeah. I don't think he's alive. I don't know. Not working much, if he is. That's a—it's one of the best movie adaptations of a character. Ever. He's not really based on a particular story, but um, it's a fantastic movie, original. Yeah, it's definitely a classic. Yeah, that's the word for it, a classic. On par with the original Terminator. He's 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 a he's a force. He made a lot of crappy movies too, you know. The sixth day is not something you wanna tell your grandkids about. Or kindergarten cop, it's cute, but <laughs> it's got much other than cuteness.
2: I watched that one because of where it takes place.
0: Oh, where's the place?
2: Well, it's filmed around or different places in Oregon. So, it oh. just feels like home.
0: <laughs> this has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. Good morning Oh, no, no, that's not how it goes. How does it go? Hi, I'm Jesse. That's how it goes. All right, one more time.